Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to Northwest Prime. My guest today holds the longest winning streak on Jeopardy, 74 games in a row. You know that's Ken Jennings, and he's with us today, and he's also back from Jeopardy's Battle of the Decades tournament where he competed in the finals with other mega winners, Brad Rutter and Roger Craig. I watched that. It was it was just it came down to the wire. So thanks, Ken, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I was really rooting for you the whole way, and you, you were in the lead. And then what happened in that final Jeopardy question? Huh. Well, I, for a change, I've, I've played Brad many a time on Jeopardy, and for a change, I had that guy right where I wanted him. He's so good. And I actually I had the lead going into final, and uh, we had to name the two secretaries of state of the U.S. who had never been married. And I did a... I did a quick uh, little 50-50 guess between uh, Madeleine Albright and Condoleezza Rice. I didn't know who the second one was, and uh, I got it wrong, and Brad passed me for the lead. It all came down to the last question. But, you know, second prize was a cool 100000 so not bad for a Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. Now, what was running through your mind? Because I'm watching you, and I'm thinking that you have it in the bag, because I knew Rice, but I didn't know Buchanan. So I thought, okay, well, Rice is probably the easy part of the question, so Ken's going to know this. So Roger Craig, they reveal his answer first, and he has it right. What are you thinking? Because you have something different. Well, that's, at that point, I know, because Brad doesn't have to bid anything at that point. You know, at that point, once once I see that it's right and not all Brad, I know it's game over. You, you have to answer this for me. I always wonder why people are so eager to tell me they they uh, they knew the answer. Like, it seems like such a terrible oh. thing to do to someone. Like, you, like you wouldn't go to a baseball pitcher and be like, wow, you know, if you hadn't thrown that, uh, if you hadn't given up that home run, you guys would have won, right? But, um, <laughs> but people always think that's a great idea to do to me. No, I I didn't know the second part of the answer. I I only knew rice, and and that's just because I'm you know I to to, to me that that was the in you know it, it was uh, the the question was through a hundred and sixty year period, so um, I didn't know at all on, on the first hundred and sixty years, and so I just had that much faith in you. I'm like Ken is going to know, that. and you did. You did know the 160 year old person who had never been married, and that was the hardest part. I, I was thinking to 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 the question, but um, right, right. But that just but that it, just means you're saying that just means you're saying, wow, you got the easy part wrong. So it's like going up to an NFL player and being like, wow, you dropped that easy easy pass in the end zone. What? How could you have done that? I would have caught that pass. And I just don't feel like people do that to NFL players. Maybe NFL players are more scared of them. <laughs> well, maybe it's just because we love you so much and that we just are just pulling for you. I I, I, I was with you all the way to the end, although I, I, I do think Brad seemed like a very, very nice guy, but he even complimented you um, when they were talking to, um, to, to him in his interview, and, and they were saying that uh, someone had offered to – had met him and that the person had said um, wasn't even impressed with meeting him, but they were like, 
Where's Ken? <laughs> yeah, Brad and I get along great. She's done like this is like the third of these Jeopardy mega championships we've we've uh, we've faced each other at. So we get along really well. And, and but I think it does sort of stick in his craw that even though he's like beaten me in two of these things, um, you know, people are still like, oh, there's Ken and that other guy. I think I think he's not a fan of that. Well, you're really the face of Jeopardy. I I, I would you know I, I'm sure that I'm not alone in thinking that. I would say Alex Trebek is the face of Jeopardy. I'm like some other part, the left shoulder or something. <laughs> well, when when I was watching that, the first category that, that came up, and it really stunned me and stopped me in my tracks, was costume designs of William Ivy Long. And I thought, oh, my gosh, these guys, they must know everything in the world if they're throwing a category like that at them. What were you thinking when you saw that category come up? Is, is that something that you normally think about? I was thinking, who the heck is this William? What was his name? William Ivy Long or something? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who it is. It, it turned out he was a Broadway Broadway costume guy, and at that point I was like, oh, I bet I'm going to know some of these. But yeah, I'm with you. I had no idea who that was. <laughs> well, w- w- one of the great things that I think that, that, that people really love about you, and, and they w- kind of feel like they can let their guard down around you and, and kind of, you know, um, tease you along the way is that you are really a fan of the game show. You're a fan of Jeopardy, and you're a very relatable person. And I think people just feel like that they um, are comfortable with you. Um, and you've been a fan of game shows really your whole entire life, right? Oh yeah, like I grew up watching Jeopardy just religiously. I would. Uh, we lived overseas, and so there's only one TV channel in English in South Korea in 1984 that we could watch. So me and my friends all ran home after school every day to watch Jeopardy. So that was the only thing that was on in English. And, uh, yeah, I just loved the show. And I still think of myself more as just a fan of the show, you know, a viewer of the show. So happy that it's still on after, after 30 years or whatever it is, you know? Um, and when I'm up there, I'm, you know, when I'm playing on the show, I'm just saying, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. Like I usually do this on my couch and now I get to actually be here with Alex. Yeah, and you've been able to make a, a great living at it. And, and and just to reiterate on on that battle of the decades, I mean, you, you walked away with a hundred thousand dollars, and like you were saying, not not bad for a day's work or you know a, a few days' work. And um, and it's and like I said, you're you're kind of the face of of Jeopardy to 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 us who who watch it, even though you know Alex is is there all the time. But when we think of Jeopardy, we think of Alex, and, and we also think of you. And so. If people are fans of game shows, there, there there really is hope for them that they should really try out and and try to get on game shows and 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 make a few bucks here and there. That's what I always tell people because for many years I did not try out for Jeopardy. It didn't really occur to me that you know I, I saw the show every night, but it never really occurred to me that people somewhere are trying out for this show in a hotel conference room and that's how you do it. You know, I just thought they magically appeared and. Um, no, a friend of mine and I drove down to L.A. one weekend just for the purpose of trying out for Jeopardy on a lark, and uh, and it changed my life. It's just so much fun to play the game against these super smart people. It's so fast, so intense, so exciting. Um, win or lose, it's just a great time. Yeah, I always tell people, if you've been a fan of the show and you know the answers from your couch, you've got to try out. It's so much fun. Is there any other game show that, that you would like to be a part of? And I guess this is kind of a two-part question. Are you actually banned from game shows? Are, would you be allowed to go on other game shows? Or do they say, oh, here comes Ken Jennings. We don't want him on because um, he knows too much. 
sometimes I do feel like, uh, yeah, I would not really get, I would not be very lucky auditioning for other game shows because they're going to be like, oh, this is the, this is the Jeopardy. You know, it's like the card counter who's who's blackballed from the casino. You know, they see right. him on the secret cameras. My dream would be to get on the uh, Steve Harvey Family Feud. That's I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Steve Harvey Family Feud. I only have two kids, so we'd have to like get a fifth family member from somewhere. Maybe adopt. I don't know. I don't really have a plan here. <laughs> but yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> well, be, because you know so much trivia and, and you, you're able to retain so much knowledge, what still kind of excites you and what's left to be discovered? Um, I would say the thing about having that kind of weird sponge trivia nerd brain where you're just interested in everything is that you're literally, you know, you're never bored because you are interested in everything, you know, um, I think for a lot of people, they have pet subjects that they like, but then, you know, something else will come up on Jeopardy, something they're not into, you know, basketball or, uh, you know, the Civil War, you know, and they'll just sort of tune out because it's not their thing. And uh, and I've always just been curious about, about everything, and it just it, it makes life so much more interesting. You know, somebody will start telling you a story about a place, and you'll be like, wait, 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 wait really, where is this? You know, you, you just always want to know more about it. Um, and it's a great way to live. I always, I always say people should be trying to learn something new every day. You know, don't just, don't just say that for the classroom or, you know, back in the day when you were in school, you can still be learning something new every day. You should be. And you were kind of born that way, right? A lot of that is, is genetics. Are other members of your family inquisitive like that? I do feel like a lot of it has to be genetic. I'm sure a lot of it's how I was raised as well. Like I'm, I remember coming from a pretty sort of smart, fast-talking kind of family. My dad was a lawyer and my mom was a librarian. And, uh, you know, so there was always a lot of fast, loud conversation around the dinner table. And um, and it does seem like the other people I've met who are sort of these trivia uh, prodigies, you know, they do sort of seem like that ever since they were a kid, they were just interested in everything. They were just sucking up knowledge and bugging mom and dad with factoids from the Guinness Book of World Records and uh, – you know, it certainly does seem to be a personality type where they just sort of come out of the just come out of the womb that way, I guess. Um, one thing that people might not know about you is that you're a New York Times best-selling author, and you've been able to channel a lot of this knowledge that you have in books that have been very, very successful. Um, your MapHead book was very successful, but you have these junior genius books, and I really want to spend some time talking about those because I think that is just a, a fantastic avenue for for young readers and young minds and and you've really tapped into to that curiosity at a at a young age for for young readers yeah i definitely did uh i, I definitely did love that kind of book when i was a kid these books i had a whole shelf full of these books of amazing facts you know facts about space or presidents or dinosaurs or, or whatever you know ripley's believe it or not kind of stuff and uh, and I sort of realized that kids are really the right audience for that kind of stuff, you know, because they're 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 so innately curious, and they can actually learn new things, you know. Not like us, adults, you know, we can't learn a new language or learn you know learn a new instrument the same way a, a kid can. And I thought, uh, you know, what if these books are uh, you know smart and fun enough for like to turn all kids into these sort of weird Jeopardy type kids, you know? Um, you know, I had a couple, my son's 11 and my daughter's 7, and they both seem like sort of smart kids that are hungry for that kind of stuff. And, uh, and that's where the Junior Genius books came from, you know, try to trick kids into thinking that learning stuff is actually fun, because it can be. 
Mm-hmm. And there's also an app, right? You, you can download that app on your phone, the Junior Genius app. Uh, the publisher might have an app. I actually don't. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. don't have it on my phone, so I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't tell you. But yeah, there is. A, there's a website I know where you can. You know, once you the idea the books are set up sort of like a school day. So you go through these different periods of the day. There's like a lunch period with a you know a recipe you can try, and there's an art class with a craft project. And uh, and once you get to the end of the book, then you just pop quizzes along the way. And when you get to the end of the book, there's like an exam where you can certify that you're now a junior genius in whatever the subject of the book is, you know, Greek mythology or the human body or ancient Egypt or whatever it is. Um, and uh, I mean, if you if you if you pass the test, you can print out your diploma, you know, on the website, and then you're a you're a certified junior genius, and it's a it's a, an elite company. Yeah, well, they're really it's it's really well put together, and I really encourage people to link to them, and they can do that from your website, which is Ken. Uh, Jennings.com, and they can look at these books, and they're probably I'm sure that they're available everywhere. Um, but really, a great uh, database of knowledge and information for for kid readers, and it's really important to get kids to read at an early age, don't you think? Oh yeah, my parents read to me every night without fail, and I think that's just such a huge part of uh, you know turning me into the kind of person I am. And, me and my wife were very scrupulous about that. Like we never stories, you know, and it, it sort of works. The kids, the kids actually like to read, and I hope that works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you are were part of the Bumbershoot Music Festival lineup here in Seattle. Uh, we have a big music festival in Seattle every year called Bumbershoot, and people, music acts come from all over the world, and to be a part of that. And you are a big part of that this year, and you actually did a little music slash Jeopardy challenge at the release party, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, they were looking for somebody to host the lineup party when they announced the music lineup, but I don't know. I don't know how many people had to say no for them to start asking quiz show quiz show contestants, but um, but it was fun. I got to host the show, and uh, and we did a little between between acts between the bands that went on. We did a little uh, Bumbershoot themed Jeopardy and gave away some passes to the festival. So it was a good time. It was first ever game show slash rock show that I've ever been to. Well, there was a lot of hard questions. They they had some of those on their Bumbershoot website, and I was like, oh my gosh, where did they find the contestants for this? Because I mean, it was it, it was a lot of information, and you have to have a really good memory and and, and know a lot about music um, to to have known those questions. And and you weren't one of the contestants; you were actually the one hosting it, so you didn't have to know yeah, all I got those, I, those things. I got to play Trebek. I, I wrote all the questions, so I had the answers in front of me, which is much easier. You know, that's why Trebek looks so smart. Um, but I figured, you know, this is the this is the lineup party. The people who come to this are totally going to be music snobs. They're going to know their stuff. And uh, we just picked three random people from the crowd, and we got very lucky because one of them was a woman. She had been on College Jeopardy as a kid uh, years before, and she was, you know, knew her music and was super duper smart. And she just walked away with the whole thing. She was great, and she won the she won the platinum passes to Bumbershoot this fall. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I um, just watched your TEDx talk that you did last year, and I really encourage people to find that on the web because it was really interesting. It goes about 17 minutes, but it really went so quickly. You did such a great job on that. It was only it, it seemed like five minutes, although it was it was 17. But you talked about playing Watson, um, the, the the computer that IBM had built to take really you on. Um, 
down the road when it was human versus uh, machine for Jeopardy. And it was a very, very good talk about really where computers are going, but how we're not outsourcing the, the human experience. And if, if you could just maybe talk just a little bit about that experience with Watson, and um, because I, I know that's probably – I actually don't know what the most – ask question you get is, but I would imagine it's probably something to do with the buzzer and Watson. <laughs> I do get asked about Watson all the time. So if you, I don't know if people remember, IBM taught this supercomputer to play Jeopardy pretty much for the sole purpose of kicking my butt. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it ended up, it was very fast on the buzzer. You mentioned the buzzer, you know, it, it had reflexes you really can't compete with. So, you know, you can't have faster, you can't be better at video games than the console itself, you know. So the computer was very fast on the button and ended up winning. And I just remember thinking, um, this is sort of going to be the future. You know, more and more of the of the things we used to have to learn and know are going to be automated away from us. You know, even today, you uh you know, instead of knowing how to get anywhere, we let our GPS direct us. Or, you know, instead of knowing the answers to questions, we know we can just Google it or pull out our phones and ask Siri. And I just started to worry, you know, what's that going to do to our brains once we start to devalue knowledge like that? You know, once we can just outsource knowing stuff to the to the device in our pocket, you know? And uh, and I started to sort of, you know, and I, I've always been a big believer that, you know, we are the sum of the things that we know and that, you know, learning is really, really the most important thing you can do with your life, you know, to learn new stuff. And I sort of wanted to defend that, you know, against this onslaught of, you know, Watson and his his other digital brethren, you know, just the idea that even in an age where computers seemingly know everything, you know, the stuff in our head still has value. Absolutely. And, and for people who ever think on that question or wonder about where we're headed, you really answer that question just really spot on in that TEDx talk. And, and again, I would just encourage people to really watch that because it, it, it really puts you at ease thinking that, you know, um, there's still hope for, for the humankind, the, the, the human race, or this curiosity and shared connection um, that, that, that we have on a, on a human level. Humans won't be obsolete. No, I don't believe that. I really do believe that, uh, you know, like you say, the things that we know are often what brings us together as people. You know, you meet somebody new and it turns out they know something about your, you know, they recognize something about your job or your hometown or where you went to school or your hobby or what you're reading, you know, and suddenly that piece of shared knowledge just creates a relationship. And, and that goes away if you have to look on your phone, you know, like, uh, you know, you really, you, we really don't realize all the social utility that comes with uh, with the knowledge we carry around in our heads. Well, I really appreciate that you took the time to come on and talk with us today. I really wanted to talk to people about those junior genius books because I really believe in them. They just look absolutely amazing. I'm all for kids reading. And, you know, the, the reason we can kind of let our guard down with you and kind of kid you here and there is because we really do feel like that you are um, – a comfortable person and that you're very relatable and, and, you know, we just feel like you're kind of, you know, one of us, a fan who made it big and, and everybody was always rooting for you and you're just an absolutely pleasure of a, a wonderful guy. We're actually very proud to have you here in Seattle. It was a pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, Lori. Well, um, please go to Ken and it's Tyson or, you know, dash Jennings.com and, and stay up with Ken because he's, absolutely doing some cutting edge things and he's on Twitter and he's very vocal on Twitter. You can follow along if you're on Twitter. You can go to Ken Jennings on Twitter and, and he'll talk back to you. I mean, you're on social media, aren't you, Ken? 
spend way too. I'm on social media right now while I'm talking to you. I spend way too much time on Twitter. I got a Facebook always sort of annoyed me, but Twitter's perfect. You know, I guess that that short little character limit is apparently right in line with my short attention span. So it turns out 140 <laughs> characters is actually perfect for how my brain thinks. So I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty hardcore Twitter addict, I'm afraid. <laughs> you know, I have had a love-hate relationship with Twitter. You know, sometimes I'm, like, loving it, and I'm tweeting all the time, and other times I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of, just, I kind of get frustrated. But then it's addictive, so then I go back to it. And it's, it, it, it's a cruel lover, Twitter is. It is a fickle mistress. You know, the best thing about it is, you know, you can – yeah, you can talk to anybody. You can I can talk to people who are watching me on Jeopardy. The worst thing about it, of course, is that I can talk to people who are watching me on Jeopardy. It sort of cuts both ways. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thanks, Ken, for coming on. If you will hold on the line for just a moment, uh, we are going to play uh, a Seattle singer-songwriter from right here in Seattle, Caitlin Logan. This is River in the Rain, and I'll be right back.
Well, that's our show. We would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and, of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audio book. The first book is free. It doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.